listening to the Construction Big Breakfast, where we give you a hearty serving of insider tips and business strategies to help fuel your day so you can thrive in the construction industry. Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in. I'm your host Ben Pritchard and welcome to the Construction Big Breakfast. Uh, today we'll be diving into how BIM can transform home ownership. Uh, joining me for today's podcast is our special guest, Nigel Wally, who is the CEO of Chimney. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Nigel. Uh, can you give our listeners a little introduction to yourself, please? Yes. Um, so as you heard, I'm Nigel Wally from Chimney. We are a digital property logbook company, and our big vision is to give every single home in the country, whether new build or existing, a digital logbook in which they can keep all of the transaction information from their home, maintenance information, project information, uh, and really help the homeowner join the digital revolution that's happening around property. So cool, thanks for that. Um, so first question, most important question of any podcast uh, before we get into uh, the meat of today's subject is what did you have for breakfast? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm being very grown up and sensible. My wife's got me on a ferocious diet, so it's, it's very sad, muesli and yogurt. At 11 o'clock, every day, regimented. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm under know. the thumb on the breakfast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's fine. I mean, it's uh, healthier than what I had. I yeah. had a terrible train delays this morning, uh, so I felt sorry for myself. I went and got a bacon bath and a latte. Uh, it's got to be done uh, at the station. station. Yeah. <laughs> um, take out my frustration. So the calories don't count if you buy a transport link. Oh, fair enough. There, I yeah. remember that every day. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like you said, um, Chimney is really looking at... Uh, sort of bringing something that the industry's been playing with but letting people access, understand their property in a way that we've never been able to. Um, do you want to give a little bit of background as to yeah. where that idea came from, how it started and, and sort of how the journey's got to where you are today? Yeah, so I think everybody realises that the background context is um, a dramatic change in the landscape for property information. You know, we're moving slowly from a world in which there was, you know, in some instances still paper files at local authorities, um, to a world of very old-fashioned PDFs on, on servers that you can't link into. But, but very slowly, all the background data around um, all property, our homes um, are just passed all out, um, are being moved into open machine-readable formats on um, on servers that theoretically you can link into. So, so there's a massive change in the, the background context. We've um, been looking at this world from the perspective of the homeowner for since um, about 2014-2015. What we found was very odd in the early years was that there was an assumption that everybody should have data except the homeowner. So everybody um, was building systems, whether they were certification groups like local authorities or Trustmark, um, or um, state agents and professional groups like conveyances. Everybody was building a great new system which enabled them to have lots of data, and nobody was in, um, including the homeowner in the debate. And the, the really kind of early antecedents for Chimney was this idea that, hold on, surely the homeowner should be the prime um, holder, um, or at least the person who can access the most information about their home. And so we, we drew, um, on a whiteboard in our office, we drew as many different data sources as we could think about for our homes, who had information, what format it was in, and right in the middle we drew a circle and said what we want. 
is a tool for all homeowners to hold which can either hold information or have links to access information or at least have a record of where information is held about our home and put the homeowner into the driving seat of this digital revolution. So Chimney is a sort of a connected app, a platform exactly. in the middle that gets data from all the relevant sources. Yep. I guess um, the difficulty uh, for Chimney and uh, I guess the, um, the logic or at least the excuse uh, for not giving the homeowner the data is they want to understand it. They don't yeah. have the professional background. How do you overcome that? How do you create not just something that collects data, but transfor transforms it into something actually usable for the homeowner? Yeah, no, it's a great question. You know, we hear this a lot. We should, we, we can't give the homeowner this. It's too complex. They won't understand it. It'll be dangerous. It'll challenge our, our insurance if we let them have it. All those those stories come up, um, and a lot of it is about presentation and interpretation. You know, um, we talk a lot about. You know, homeowners don't necessarily want a fully dimensioned model of their home. What they really want to do is be able to order carpets um, accurately without having to get someone in a measure. Um, and so what we've been trying to do with Chimney is work out how people actually want to run their home, where having access to great data would help, and then how to find that data and interpret it and present it in a way that is homeowner friendly. Uh, and so, so that the interpretation presentation bit is, is really our bag, as well as finding all the sources. I guess this is where, uh, again, in your translation of language, when you use the word BIM, uh, it's being misconstrued. I mean, we've seen some of that uh, recently in the last couple of weeks when you, um, uh, your white paper yeah. was published in BIM Plus and a couple of others. It was jumped on a little bit and sort of poked out and said, well, it's a terrible idea, but yeah. it's just because of a misrepresentation, maybe. I think of so. What a BIM model is perceived to be against what you're trying to do in terms of just better information management, which is what BIM should be. Yeah, and um, so the, the background to the white paper was a project that we did, funded by the government through the Innovate UK um, scheme, um, to look at how um, we can um, address what they perceive as the poor take-up of BIM use within um, residential house building. Um, and one of the things we were saying was that uh, in residential, it's very, it's very different to commercial, that there is, um, unless you're in social housing, there is no assumption of a facilities manager, and therefore nobody assumes that a BIM model um, can have this this um, O and M stage for the homeowner. And the homeowner is the facilities manager. Exactly, and we say that a lot. The homeowner is the facilities manager, um, and so in a way, at, at its simplest, you could say that in this context, chimney a, a chimney um, logbook given away with a new build attached to a BIM model is really just a piece of facilities management software that's uniquely configured to be used and understood by people who aren't technical or construction professionals. Um, and um, what we tried to do with the, the project, was called Reimagining BIM, was to start with the homeowner um, and work backwards to the BIM model. So we started off saying, how do people want to live their lives? Um, where in this day and age will they begin to expect to have better information, particularly if they bought a new property? Um, and it was, some of it was simple things like just dimensions. You're in, you're in a shop, there's a great sofa, you don't know whether it, you can get it through your door or will it fit in the bay window. And, and why not? You know, somebody somewhere has got a fully measured set of floor plans for your new home. Why haven't you got them as you stand there in the shop? Yeah, no, my in-laws are actually currently yeah. through the uh, issue of they bought a sofa and they're panicking now as so they actually get it into exactly. the house. But, but someone, you know, if it's a new build, someone's got a fully dimensioned drawing. So, um, so what we're not suggesting is that we should give homeowners full access to construction level um, drawings and information produced about their property. What we're saying is we can extract from that information really helpful stuff that will help them live their 
day-to-day lives. And that's a key part of good information management, having the right information to the right people at the right time that's usable and understandable. Exactly. Um, and, and, and why wouldn't it help everyone as yeah. part of that, uh, the home ownership uh, journey? And, and in the classic kind of BIM process, um, we know that there, you know, this idea of designing the model early, at the very beginning of the process, for all potential users of the data, it's, it's, you know, it's the standard process. The, uh, design the asset information model such that it can, it can produce useful data at the design stage, the construction, the detailed construction stage, the, the construction on site stage, and then the FM stage. And all we're saying is, actually, let's have a look at that FM stage um, and um, add, to, add some thinking to it. Um, right at the early stage, at the asset information design stage, um, such that the model, at the end of the day, can spit out information that helps the homeowner live there. I think so, one of the um, uh, processes of sort of chimney uh, as a, uh, a life cycle app for a, for a homeowner, one will be getting the right information uh, when you move in, yeah. uh, get rid of all those searches and everything else that you spend six yeah. months and a fortune on, uh, but also, how intuitive and easy um, are you trying to make it be so that they can add new information that they've done their extension, yeah. knocked the wall down, all those things? I mean, it's, it's a great question. Will will homeowners maintain their logbook? We hear it all the time, um, not, and not just with new build. Will they do the work? And uh, to a certain extent, it's, it, there's a kind of a two-part answer. Um, with new build, the, the first question is, how much information should the, the developers be given to the homeowner in the first place? And we've shown that if you use logbooks as part of a handover process, which is already quite complex, you know, and in the old days, the large developers would create a leverage file, but they may brand it um, and hand you a leverage file with all the manuals, warranties, um, insurances for your new home, the, um, the user guides, etc. So to a certain extent, the handover process being digitized makes sense because a lot of the information that was in those manuals is being digitized now. Um, we would like it to go much further. You know, we would really like to be handing over a dashboard with links to all the manufacturers, FAQs, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, so that's reasonably um, obvious. But then, as you say, people then go on to live and they go to work. They might add an extension. And so, there's the two-part answer is we're trying to make it easy from a design point of view, so they they understand what they're meant to be uploading for various reasons. So. Um, Part of the, the thing we get people to think about is the, the next buy and sell. If you have to sell this property, there's going to be five things they're going to ask you to give them about this, this roof extension you just put on, for mm -hmm. instance. And so if we can, I'm going to use a word I actually hate, but people seem to get it, gamify the mm -hmm. process. If we can make it fun and interesting to, to make sure that you've got the right documents uploaded for any building work you do or any um, maintenance work you do, make it easy to do and fun and obvious, then people will do it. Um, the second part of my two-part answer, which seems to have five parts, I do recognise, um, is that we're going to try and automate it as much as possible. So for instance, links to local authorities to pull in planning information and building control information. So a homeowner shouldn't have to um, digitise the letter that gave them planning permission. Their logbook should automatically connect to the council systems and pull in the latest planning uh, permissions, etc., in a, in a digital form. So, but um, over the next ten years. Um, we are hoping to automate as much of the uploading stuff as possible. Certification is a great example. We're, we're building um, links into things like Trustmark, so that if your new extension has got new windows and it has a fencer certificate, mm -hmm. 
a same thing, it will just automatically pull it into your logbook without you having to go and find it, scan it, and upload it. Which is good because they're not as easy as they should be to find. No. Even though a lot of these yeah. um, certification bodies, the local planning authority, you know, they're open portals, but they're not built with the user in mind. No. At times. And actually, things like Trustmark oddly aren't an open portal. It's really hard to get your own certification out of some of these bodies, um, which is mad. You know, so we so part of what we're doing is advocating openness um, on behalf of these bodies, and also we're advocating digitisation. I, I just had my boiler service at home, mm -hmm. and from a, a very large brand, uh, um, and the guy wrote a three-part format and tore off the top copy and handed it to me. And I was standing there ready to upload it in my chimney log, so I had to photograph it in front of him, load it up in my chimney log. And, and the same day, I took my old VW for service in a back street garage. The guy in the garage did the service, went to his PC, mm -hmm. uploaded the MOT information straight into the DBLA systems. And by the time I got home, my online logbook for my car was updated. And so I was comparing the construction industry, the maintenance industry, their performance against what's happening um, in cars. Uh, and you know, the, the motor industry is far and away ahead of what we're doing in construction. I never want to see a three-part form again. It's an outrage. No, it is. Yeah. It is a pain. And um, that's for new stuff, uh, predominantly. You look at yeah. um, the existing stock, and if you've got old boiler, old house. I mean, my house was built in 1985. Right. Um, and uh, I wanted to find out if one of the walls was just a stud wall or retaining yeah. without sort of digging into it a little bit. I asked my local council and they wanted £150 to let me see the drawings of my own home. See, that's so that was an outrage. Yeah, and, <laughs> and that's exactly the dynamic that drove us to, to launching Chimney. And things like that, that dynamic, it causes people to take shortcuts yeah. um, or not do things for the best. Um, and you know, it creates bad behaviours in the existing stock and in some ways maybe creates the environment we've got at the moment where we've got existing stock that isn't optimised. Yeah. Um, and so we've talked a lot about um, new homes and how Chimney fits in there, but obviously um, for the app to be truly successful it has to work with the existing stuff. Yeah. Um, and as we sort of move now into uh, sort of the, um, the, 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 the crisis that we have in terms of the um, cost of everything, energy and everything increasing, everyone will want to know how to make their home more efficient yeah. um, from a sort of sustainability point of view, more efficient. Do I have cavity wall insulation? Should I have cavity wall insulation? What about PVs? Can that work? Is this all part of where you want or can you already do some of those things? Yeah, absolutely. So retrofit um, in the domestic market is a massive part of what we're involved in. Um, we have been working with the um, Green Finance Institute on standardising some of the data sets for domestic retrofit. Um, just to make it easier for professionals involved in doing it to, to share data in the same way we talked about um, for new builds. There's an awful lot of moving parts still um, and lots of people going off on their own kind of directions. And so there's a, a kind of an attempt just to, to standardise so that we can host within a chimney log um, a retrofit plan. Right. Um, and um, sometimes that will be a one-off project where you get someone in to do your whole house in one go. And there's some good standards um, that have emerged around whole home retrofit. I passed 2035 if anyone's interested in a, in a British standard um, that covers it. Um, but we're also working on how to do it on a more incremental basis mm -hmm. um, so that if somebody wants to set like a 10-year you know, plan to get their house up to speed and they do it in bit by bit, they, they can capture all the data in an industry recognizable form in Chimney. And also we can help them and prompt them and give them advice. So we're starting to build advice into it and links to 
groups like the Energy Savings Trust who offer great advice. Um, and we should be trialling, beginning of next year, our first live retrofit plan um, in West London, um, showing how that fits into a, a chimney log. And we, we're, we're pursuing the same mantra in retrofit. Again, early stages, every professional body is building systems to suit themselves. Um, very few people are suggesting the homeowner should end up with a, um, a digital file with all the information. So we're, so we're championing the homeowner in that digitization process again. And, and, and one extra link, um, we, we do quite a lot of work outside of construction in the buying and selling industry. So I, I was on a call this morning with the Ministry of Housing where we're trying to use logbooks to um, help reduce the backlog in conveyancing process. Uh, and so part of that is about standardising information. So when we're doing the work in retrofit and in new build, one of the things we're also saying is whatever we do with the data standards, we have to do it in such a way that you can press a button if you're halfway through a retrofit plan and sell your house and all the data that's in, in the logbook can be passed over to a conveyancer in an easily understandable form. Uh, and so we're trying to balance construction, retrofit and buying and selling and get everybody to share data formats so that, that everybody understands what's going on. And that will make the, the process of moving house just so much more seamless. You know, all that information yeah. back and forth to the mortgage company, the insurance, yourself, yep. come it's just all, all a bit of a nightmare. I mean, yeah. 10 years ago I moved and I still don't want to move over again. <laughs> and, and it's averaging 28 weeks when it could be done at push of a button. Yeah. And 28 weeks sounds generous. I know, yeah. <laughs> and we saw some horror stories during lockdown in particular, 50 weeks to, to sell a house, um, you know, almost a year. And the, um, the Ministry of Housing is pushing an idea, they're calling it upfront information, um, which is very much part of what we're talking about. The idea that a homeowner, if they want to sell their flat or their house, should be able to push a button and put together a pack of all the information that will ultimately be asked for by the conveyances. So rather than each stage, each conveyancer has to go and find the construction information, that the homeowner can just literally press a button, create a, a sales legal pack effectively, um, because it's all there in their logbook. All the, you know, if it's a new build, all the stuff they got from the, the developer, if it's a recent, um, a, a one that's had a recent retrofit, you can pull all the certification straight into, into a pack. And you, we can cut out 20 weeks of painful conveyancing. Uh, by having it all there at the push of a button. One of the uh, challenges you must have is around security, because if you're creating that logbook that has a lot of personal information, information about how your uh, home is built and operates and all this, you know, down to, you know, you could probably work out when people are generally in and out yeah. and things like that. That must be something you get pushed back on a little bit. Yeah, um, I think anyone working in data um, knows that data security is, is the perpetual headache, and, and should be. You know, because we're dealing with people's personal facts, so so it's not something we take lightly. Um, and our kind of standard response to that is that we're building our systems to be better than the conveyancing industry. Um, so you know, we, we are the most secure part of the chain if we get it right. Um, the massive question around property fraud as well. Um, the idea that someone could, could um, as we've seen recently in the press, by gathering bits of information about your property, they they can masquerade as the owner and sell it. And so we 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 are with our ID systems, um, hoping to tramp that out. So the idea is, if somebody has got a, a digital logbook, we've we've shown that they are the right owner, um, and they can sell it. Um, but the, the data security stuff is um, uh, is absolutely key. We're, we're quite lucky that in residential construction and residential property in general, we're, we're behind the finance industry. So there's been some amazing work in open banking and open finance to create systems which are secure, that, that can share data securely. And so a lot of the work the property industry is doing 
is, is basically piggybacking on the great work that's been done by the banks and the, and the finance houses in, in the open finance world. Yeah, in the open uh, banking stuff that they did so that we can move banks quickly all of that and stuff, easily yeah. and everyone can understand and Apple's an Apple and all that. It's a fantastic framework for yeah. securely sharing information and data yeah. and really personal data as well. So if you yeah. can trust that, you should be able to trust what you're doing quite yeah. easily. And, and uh, on the personal data thing, it's, it's uh, something useful to flag up. Um, we, we made the distinction between um, a property logbook uh, and a property wallet, which is one of those kind of, it seems an arcane distinction, but it's actually crucial. Um, the we, Chimney has a, a, a wallet and a logbook. The wallet is all the stuff where your personal finance related to your home goes into, so your mortgage information, how much money you pay, your utilities, your council tax stuff. They're all the things you wouldn't want to pass to a new owner. The logbook contains absolutely everything that you would want to hand to a new owner. Um, and, and so that split is quite an important one in, in the, the logbook world. Logbooks are about property information, uh, property provenance, property history. Um, and whilst they're connected, like you know, utilities are kind of one of the linking points, we, we, um, we make sure that there's a little group of companies like Chimney. We're working together to make sure that we keep personal finance stuff out of it. Just so as you say, so digital ownership, that logbook and things mm. like that, it's more of a personal question really than yeah. anything else. <laughs> have you looked into sort of Web3 blockchain and things like that and how yeah. that can add that additional layer? Yeah, it, it, um, you can imagine that's again one of those perpetual questions the industry is looking at. Does um, Do the blockchain technologies like smart contract tokenization uh, offer functionality? Um, and I think to a sense, to answer the question, you need to pick them apart. So, um, smart contracts around um, and tokenization around property ownership. Um, we've all had a little look at them, and it's it's, um, it's good fun. Um, the thing we have to recognise is that, is that blockchain isn't like the web. Now, I, and I, I use the word the with the web very consciously there because I do believe there is such a thing as the web. Mm -hmm. Anyone who's using HTML, HTTP is using the web. We can't say that with blockchain. You, know, and you hear people say the blockchain, and there is no such thing no, as the blockchain. There are multiple conflicting, non-interoperable blockchain protocols out there, um, all owned by individual companies. Uh, and so it's very hard to commit to one of them, mm -hmm. to build a system which isn't an industry standard. So in terms of ownership details and ownership records, everybody's looking at the land registry. And the basic premise is, if the land in, in the UK, in particular, where we have a good, strong land registry history, it would have to be driven by the land registry. Okay. And so, we, we in, around property ownership, yes, we will we will follow their lead on it. Around other things like maintenance records, um, you can conceive a smart contract functionality, which is one of the blockchain promises, could be useful for maintenance records because, of particularly, the immutability. Mm -hmm. we, we just, you know, people shouldn't be able to delete the maintenance records. And the only thing, um, and I, again, I'm, I'm not a techie, but the, you know, the, the guidance we're getting is that some of the key characteristics, like immutability, we can recreate with standard database systems for now. Yeah, it is. I agree. I, I yeah. can certainly see the benefit, like you say, smart contracts, and sort of having some sort of NFT at the end of it that sort yeah. of says, yeah, here's the stamp of, we've done it, and this is how, and you can... Um, use that token in the NFT to... The Bitcoin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, something like that. And, and there are uh, some new technologies that are emerging that are agnostic of which blockchain yeah. it's built on and things like that. But yeah, I think you're right. It is too early and normal databases will do. Yeah. But I think as Web3 gains traction 
and we move uh, to uh, a position where decentralised ownership is something that people want more and more, yeah. um, then I think it will get, get further traction and something like what you're talking about. It feels like it fits well with those core principles. Yeah. Some of it is being used in buying and selling. Um, there are a couple of companies who have introduced transactional networks using um, uh, one of the blockchain protocols. Um, and, there, and there's one that uses a protocol called R3 Corda, which is the, the one that's come out of the city. It's a, it's a finance-based one, and they're using it to um, to develop property transactions. And so Logbox, we're, we're connecting to that. So, so we're not saying that we are um, cutting ourselves off from the world of blockchain, but there, there, there's where places we will interconnect, and transactions are a good starting point for us, that we, we, we can export data from a logbook into a transaction context that's being supported by smart contracts, um, and, and then pull it out again for the new owner. No, good. Um, I mean, amazingly, I'm pretty sure that's 25 minutes. Long so, yeah. I was just getting going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we will uh, wrap up uh, today's conversation at that point. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, for joining it, it was certainly insightful for me, and I'll certainly look into Chimney more as a homeowner. Sign up, it's free to I use for a logbook. Um, try and get maybe some of the information I sorely yeah. want and need uh, to improve my home. Um, uh, in terms of our listeners and everyone who's out there, if they're interested in learning more, or uh, I think you mentioned you're looking for people to trial. Yeah, and um, just on a personal basis, it would be great to have more industry professionals opening up a logbook because it's, it's free to use just a basic logbook, challenging us. Um, and we're looking for people who want to play with some of our new functionality, um, particularly around the, around the BIM models. So you know, contact me through the, the web or through um, the, your site uh, and, and come and play. So we would just say engage. Fantastic. Um, so thank you to all our listeners today. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed uh, this episode of the Construction Big Breakfast. Uh, we have a new episode every week or so, uh, so click that subscribe button, turn on your notifications so you don't miss an episode. Uh, while you're at it, please don't forget to comment. Any questions uh, that you may have, we'll be sure to reply. Uh, please do uh, like, share, and all those other things that you're supposed to do to make more people watch. Uh, if you're interested in being a guest on the podcast or looking to collaborate, uh, please admit, uh, please, um, there you go, 25 minutes before I'm mistake, <laughs> right at the end, finish off with a plum. Uh, please do uh, go to our website, www.invent.com, uh, links in the description, fill out the contact form, and one of our team will be in touch. Uh, until next time, thank you very much. Thanks for joining us this week on the Construction Big Breakfast. Make sure to visit our website, www.invent.com, where you can subscribe to the Construction Big Breakfast on all platforms so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a positive rating. Or if you'd simply share it with a friend, that would help us out too. Be sure to tune in for our next episode.